0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class.
1: Hello to anyone who's listening to this via the Temple Beth Am podcast. Chapter 7 of the Book of Shemot, we're hanging out um, around verse 12. I think we read the verse, but not the Rashi on verse 12, okay? So uh, we go slowly through this material, but to remind you where we are, this is the first major encounter between Moshe and Aaron and Paro and Paro's other magicians. And we dealt with the question in verse 11 about whether or not there's a distinction between the Chachamim, the Mechashvim, and the Chartumim, or they're all kind of variations on the self. Uh, And then we have the showdown in verse 12, which we read last week, but the Rashi amplifies the significance of the verse the verse itself verse 12 by ish matehu each man cast down his staff and the, man, the men referring to here are the egyptian magicians either the chachamim or the mechashvim or the khatumim or, or the combination of them the hayulatanim they became uh, serpents and Aaron's staff swallowed their staffs where we left off last week, I, was, I asked you to consider, is there anything in the language of the verse that, uh, that, that raises a question, or that you imagine Rashi might jump on as a way of, of aggrandizing the scene, aggrandizing the moment? Anyone either think about it during the week or pick up on it now? Barry, you need a microphone? No, it was on, you just turned it, oh. It's green. Oh, okay.
2: Uh, I just noticed it for the first time. Uh, it, it, they, uh, they became a little bit but Aaron's um, rod swallowed their rods. We, we, have the, 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 we have serpents, and then we have rod and rod what's this changing back from serpents to rods
1: right that's exactly what Rashi is going to pick up on right that that in in verse um 10 aaron's staff becomes a serpent in verse 11 pharaoh called his magicians to do the same thing in the first half of verse 12 they do it they cast their rods and they become tiny but the second half of verse 12 the, the thing doing the consuming and the thing being consumed is not a serpent, but, but rather a rod. Right? So after the et of verse 12, letaninim, something has happened. Because it does not say, va'evla tanin aharon et taninam, that Aaron's uh, staff converted into a serpent, consumed their staffs, conser- converted into a serpent, but rather that his staff did it. Right? Now, either that means something or it means nothing. The way we can understand it meaning nothing is that yeah it's 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 his staff which we know has now taken the shape of the serpent it, you know consumed their staff but to rashi it means something so let's read a, a, any other questions or comments on that before we look at the rashi rick
3: um it just goes along with that old yankee saying that the a rod is stronger than all the other rods
1: ah very nice very nice um I'm not even sure what to do with that. I'll just I'll just let that I just, just, just I'll just I'll I'll just I'll just leave it. Okay. So let's look at the Rashi. Um uh Carol, do you want to read the Rashi in verse 12? Let's give Carol a microphone.
4: Um Vai aharon <clears> meachar shahazar bina asemate <throat> la et kulan. Um after, after it returned uh, to being a, uh, a stick, a rod, it swallowed them.
1: Right. So the full words of Rashi's commentary is basically what Barry said, Baruch Shek, Kivanta Barry. The question is, why is Rashi saying what he's saying? Right? What, what, what is the significance of Rashi emphasizing, hey, reader, I want you to realize that these were not serpents in this moment. These were back to being rods. Norman, and Rachel?
5: If we were imagining this as a movie scene, um, it's much easier to imagine that Aaron's serpent, which presumably has some mobility, can go over to the other serpents and swallow them. Yes. It's very hard to imagine filming a staff or rod swallowing anything, let alone other staffs.
1: Yeah. I actually don't remember... How Cecil B. DeMille did this particular scene. Um, but but that's exactly I think what Rosh is getting at. Rachel, you're gonna say something similar?
4: Yes, I I was just there's there's a magical element to a rod swallowing a, an animal of any kind. Yeah. Rods don't swallow. It's not something inanimate objects do.
1: Right. So I think you 're right I think Rashi 's without saying it, I think what Rashi's saying is this is a double miracle however however miraculous or powerful you thought this was. It was more than that you know you you 've already recovered from the fact that you 've seen Aaron turn a staff into a snake that 's amazing once it 's a snake, you can imagine well, what do snakes do? they eat things fine but but he turned that snake back into a staff and then as an as a as as a re inanimated staff, that's when it does an animate thing. It doesn't do the animate thing as an animate snake. It does the animate thing when it's back as a staff. Joel's not, Joel's not convinced. Joel's-
6: I, I, I didn't did think Rashi is, is defending the Torah. Oh, the Torah screwed up. Look, it said, bantan instead of tanin, and then he says, no, no, no. It was actually what happened.
1: Say that again. You think that the comment is, is to defend the Torah against yeah. a critique that it made a mistake? Yeah. So in what way? That it used the wrong word. Uh-huh. That it said "matzah" when it was actually
6: a tanin at that point. So he says, "No, no, no. It was actually correct because it turned back at that point."
1: Uh-huh. Okay, that's possibility. I want to read to you. Um, I don't have this available on the screen. Some of the, um, some modern commentary on this Rashi that that goes back to the source of this comment, which is in uh, the Talmud Masechet Shabbat and also in Shemot Rabbah because the verse did not say that Aaron's serpent swallowed their serpents. The Zohi Tosefet Banes. It's an extra level to the miracle. Shahare taninim darkam livloa. What do snakes do? They swallow things. Aval ein Whatever you think a staff does, it doesn't have a mouth. At least it doesn't have a mouth when it's been converted back from being a snake. And it's not a a thing that generally swallows. And therefore in your mind, as you're imagining the scene, you're supposed to, according to this commentary in Rashi, understand that this is even more miraculous than you originally would have thought. Um, There were a couple of others on the page that I wanted to share, hold on one second, Um, find it. That one, yeah, okay. Um, Everyone can see, okay. So um, Sforno is focusing not on the fact that the second half of the verse mentions staff, but not snake, but focusing on the lamed of litaninim. When when Pharaoh's magicians threw down their staffs and the verse says, we translate it as they became serpents. And Sforno says, um, i want to show the original she no, she no where am i al utmunat taninim they had the form and the appearance of taninim avalo but not the movement meaning aaron actually turned his staff into a serpent but uh the magicians turned them into sticks that look like serpents right not actually turning them into a snake and I think Rushbaum says something similar. I couldn't find it on the Safaria. Hold on. Um, no, not Rushbaum. Uh, Gaon, which for some reason his commentary on the in the Torah has not been uploaded to Safaria, so I can't share it on the screen. Sajeg uh, changes one letter in the verse. It's instead of lit taninim, he changed it to ke taninim, right? They, they they turned their staves into something that was sort of like a snake, which is very different than transfiguration of actually turning something into a snake. And the commentary, on that is, Kem, kema, b- b- in the act that the Egyptian magicians did, hadimyon, we should use the, the kaf that... that uh, indicates similarity, it was only an, a visual trick rather than something truly magical, okay. Either way, you have the commentators working very hard trying to say one of these magics is real, and that's the one of the Kadosh Baruch Hu, and one of these magics <laughs> is either inferior or it's not even magic, it's just a, um, just a trick of the eyes, okay. Uh, comments, questions? Who? Who Joel.
6: was the first
1: one? The, the, the first one I just read yeah. was Sforno.
6: Because our Ar, also was le.
1: You need your. Uh... When Aaron did his trick, it was also le. So correct. That's right. why Sadhguru that, that, had to step in and. Stay that's there. why Sadja says this le <laughs> is actually a K. <laughs> uh, Larry.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely on Team Joel on this one. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but it's still interesting to go down that path even though I think it's simply a, a, an error in the transcribable error or just an error in the text. But nonetheless, it's not just another miracle because it would have been a miracle if his snake had swallowed, Aaron's snake had swallowed the other snakes. Would have been a miracle if Aaron's snake had turned into a person that would have gathered the snakes. Yeah. You can imagine a lot of things. Yeah. But what happened here was it's incomprehensible you can't even describe you can't describe this miracle how does the staff as you said how does the staff swallow other staffs right. so if you want to go down that path which i don't think is the right path but i'm happy to go down that path is it's not just another miracle it shows that god's power is beyond our comprehension and uh-huh. even pharaoh's comprehension you can't even imagine the things that I can do. God is saying here would be my
1: flash uh-huh. on this. Meaning, it's not just that it's impressive; it's just, it's beyond description.
0: It's complete. It's, right. we, it's we 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 can't even conceive of oracle, it.
1: Right. Right. Interesting. Um, great. Anyone else on these verses before we go on? Uh, let's see if anyone has their hand raised on Zoom. Rachel.
4: Joel. I've always been really uncomfortable with this image as God as magician. Mm. Um, it gives us an image of God acting in really, um, kind of precise and uh, specific ways to change human behavior, human attitudes, and kind of, we know from the real world as it is, that the God that I pray to doesn't behave that way. And the contrast, this particular scene, even more so than the plagues, because here we've got this tiny scene of Moses, Aaron, Pharaoh, and the um, magicians or priests that Pharaoh calls in. So I expect maybe eight to ten people in the room. And God's saying, look at the tricks I can do for eight to ten people. And that makes me more uncomfortable than darkness for a whole society.
1: Rachel, you're raising a critical point, right, the drawing a line between the God to whom we are introduced in the Torah and the God that the Jewish people worship as a result of the development of the Torah is not always linear, right, or it's not always linear once you get to the modern era, right, if we go back hundreds of years, right, pre-enlightenment, it very well may be that they believed in a personal God, able to perform miracles for the individual. That when they prayed, they prayed for that to happen. And there are probably many Jews who believe that to this day. So the question is, is it we who have um, veered because our understanding of the world has made it impossible for us to um, believe that, or is it that this is always meant to be metaphorical uh, and we're not supposed to imagine any of these things actually happening, and therefore our conception of reality is, is is closest to what is. obviously i've I've staked out a a path in that in my own life, but I, I I can't say with any certainty who's right in that regard. right? If I did I'd be I'd become my, my own version of an absolutist. But you're right that the 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 God of the personal miracles and the interventions in the Torah is not necessarily the God that we see or 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 imagine acting or not acting throughout history. And I think the rabbis are reckoning with that. When the rabbis say in Perkeivot, "Hakol tsafuli v'harashut that everything is foreseen, to suggest that God has omniscience about all that will happen in the world, bi'ado, But it's still in your power to make each individual decision. That's the Mishnah looking back at this scene, basically saying, "Yeah, God, God is in charge." but Pharaoh still acted as a true actor in, in, in the uh, in the scene. And when, when Pharaoh's heart was hardening or softening, Pharaoh wasn't as experiencing it as God actively doing it to him, but that's just the way Pharaoh ended up choosing to live his life and God knew it was happening, right? I think the rabbis are reckoning with the fact that there's not um, an easy way to resolve all this. Uh, Renee? To me, it
7: seems like the... Uh... Fact of the snake when it was a snake eating other snakes is more of a magical magician's optical illusion, and it to me it it almost removes God's involvement in it mm. a little bit. And the the rod being the rod and eating the snakes as a rod to me seems more godlike.
1: Yeah, interesting. Okay, thank you, Barbara. Are you awake, Barbara?
8: Barely, have you got any Macedonian macadamias? <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> uh, welcome back. Go ahead, Barbara. Um, but speak a little second, louder. It's hard to hear you.
8: Oh, I'm sorry. The second part of what you showed us on Sforno said that only Hashem is able to perform uh, miracles of changing an inert thing into a life thing. I I, I personally think that's really important. That That's implying... That what Faro's magicians did was they didn't turn the rod into a snake; they took the, turned it into something that looked like a snake but was not a snake. And I, I I think it's all encompassed in that second part, which you didn't read out loud, but that I did. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, c- correct. That's exactly what um, I think. rev Sajagaon uh, and Sforno were both saying, which is that it's it's one thing to. Do a sleight of hand and replace a staff with a staff that looks like a snake. It's quite another thing to convert an inanimate, inert staff into an actual snake, and then, Rashi's point is, and then convert it back, and then in its inanimate state, do the consuming rather than in its animate state.
8: And all, although this is thinking ahead, if you start thinking about the other miracles that God uh, performed, uh, he, he, he or she did not convert things into, inanimate things into something. A, fl- a lot of frogs came out, but we don't know where they came from. Yeah. Blood came out, we don't know where it came from, but that's not an animate type thing. Uh, darkness is not an animate type thing, but it was only this one that really was taking supposedly an inanimate thing into an animate thing.
1: There's a commentary on on uh, darkness. I don't remember if it's Rashi or only Rashi others that talked about what was what was um supernatural about it because you know there are eclipses and sometimes they're really dark days and on the verse via Choshech, cuz that's the that's the hebrew on on the fact that darkness became um in the in the in the country they read it as that it's that it, this was not just darkness as the absence of light but a darkness that was palpable like that you could you could, you could experience as if, because the verb is vayamesh from the root mamash, which means something real, something substantive. And we'll see it when we get there. That, that if you want to, if you're concerned that this miracle, this plague isn't so miraculous, it's a, going back to what Larry said before, it's a darkness you can't even conceive of, right? We, we can conceive of a dark room, but we cannot conceive of the type of darkness that was hovering, present, heavy, looming, of, of, of substance over Egypt right so we're we're trying to in in, in all of these scenes trying to imagine the greatest possible way that the verses can be understood to represent God's power Dan and then well, Dan then Rick
9: a darkness you could feel would be like a sandstorm right the, one could imagine that if you've yeah. ever been in a sudden sandstorm yeah. that's not what i was going to say though
1: did um, the, the uh, anyone ever read the monograph by William Styron called darkness visible it's his powerful and, and, and heart-wrenching um, story of his own um, descent into really deep depression. This is the same author who wrote Sophie's Choice. He ultimately recovered from that depression, um, or at least to an extent, but he called it darkness visible, right? Because what he was trying to say is that what, if you haven't been depressed, whatever you think depression is, it's not sadness plus. It's not just more sad than you've been in other days in your life. It is a palpable, hovering, um, looming, almost physical darkness. Um, and so that's not necessarily a sandstorm, but a, an emotional sandstorm, Diane.
9: Okay. So I'm thinking about other magical rods in the Torah. So you've got the rod. And I don't know where this is going, but you've got the rod that Moshe uses to strike the rock, mm-hmm. which is imbued with some kind of power. Mm-hmm. There's another case, and I don't remember exactly how the story went about a rod that flowers. It's um, the twelve rods of the twelve tribes. Right, they right? start
1: uh, creating almonds.
9: Right. So almond,
1: almond buds.
9: I I don't know what where all of that goes, but I mean, there's there's uh, there are other precedents of magical rods.
1: Yeah, or this is the precedent of of the, of the others. Correct. Yeah, and it's and it's the instrument through which God helps human beings create these supernatural realities on the ground. Uh, Rick, hi, Shira. Hi. Yeah. To me, the new bathrooms look exactly like they did before. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm I'm glad they're appreciative of it. Cheryl walked me, Cheryl was very proud to show me the new bathrooms yesterday. We walked in and I said to her, I'm the wrong person to be shown this. Cause to me, like they look like they did before. It's a bathroom, it's a stall. I'd rather, I'd rather have the six figures still in the Schulz bank. Yeah, the upper and, and this floor level bad? bathrooms have been remodeled um, and we're about to start the lower one. Yeah. And the upper one, the ones on the upper floor, they've been turned into at least one, if not two, I forgot. Um, Kind of gender neutral bathrooms, single stall bathrooms, and also a nursing room. Uh, Joel, no, not Joel. Who's hand was that? Rick.
3: Hi. So I'm glad Diane brought up the the one that flowers with the buds and all that because that's that's really miraculous. uh, Rick, hold on
1: one second. Oh, okay. Just not. It's not quite loud enough. You all hear Rick? Okay. Okay,
3: Hi. Um. So I'm glad she brought that one up. Um. The rod hitting the stone um if the angels tell moses exactly where to hit the rock to bring up the spring that i can understand that but the flowers with the rod that that's a miracle i don't i don't, I don't get that one but here I, I just wanted to remind people snake handlers can do wacky things with snakes they can make like crocodiles you can put right, them hold to on
1: one s- time sure, do you mind asking them to be like 30 percent? awesome. <laughs> Tell them I'm also excited about the urinals, but they have to be urinal excited quietly. Okay. Okay. Rick, sorry.
3: That's all right. I just want to, to me, it seemed like this isn't so miraculous. It, it, it's a, a snake handler's trick to rub the snake a certain way to make it stiff. So, yeah, they look like staffs. Aaron comes into the palace and he's holding something that looks like a staff, but it's really this rigid snake. And so when he does that, then Pharaoh says, "Okay." he calls. He doesn't even say anything. He just calls them and they do the same thing. So in the category of sticks that they look like snakes. Well, when it comes back down to it at the end of verse 12 and they say, yeah, his stick ate the other sticks but it, it, they were really snakes in the first place and Aaron's was just bigger than the other ones. So uh, it, to me, it's not such a, it's not such a miracle. It's just his snake was bigger than the others. And, right. and, um, so my,
1: my meta comment on your comment is it's interesting to linger on the urge. Any one of us in the medieval times and now have to either find a way to say that this is less miraculous or find a way to say this is more miraculous right and and i'm not judging either way i'm just saying it's an interesting human instinct right i'm sure most of us have been in a place in life where we try to figure out a, a a natural way of understanding the supernatural notion of the splitting of the red sea well it was the tides it was this it was that and that can feel satisfying because it makes our story feel more accessible but there's also a counter instinct, which is say, however miraculous you think it was, it was more so because that's, the, that's Adonai Elohei Israel, And that is Ha'el HaGibor And rather than push us to explain this as something simple, there has been a theological urge to do the opposite. Explain this in the most miraculous way possible because this is God introducing God's self and God's power to the world. Now, even though, as Rachel says before, it conflicts with our experience of God in the world, Th- it, there's been a several millennium urge in the Jewish uh, intellectual historical tradition to not look for the most natural ways to explain what happened, but to lean into the fact that no, this is miracle right, and I at, and I find myself actually on both sides of that at different stages of my life and in different based on what I want or need from the spiritual tradition at any given moment. Um, okay, Can we move to verse 13. Norm. Okay. Oh, you're volunteering to read verse 13? Yeah. Wonderful. Take a microphone. Vakasha.
5: <speaking in Hebrew> and Pharaoh's heart was hard. alehem, <speaking in Hebrew> and he didn't listen or hear them. Kashir deber adonoi, just as Adonai Hashem had said or predicted.
1: Good. There are two main questions or problems in this verse. One of them is going to be a question problem throughout this entire story, and that is how do we really understand the verb hazak leif paro? Right? Is something happening to it? Is it describing it as it is? Is it saying that lives that um, Pharaoh's heart was hard or was hardened? Rashi is going to say something about that on the next verse, not this verse. But that's that's going to be. We always have a translation problem because words do not mean what they meant, or and it's hard to, to convert them into one word. But there's also a sense that I don't know how to say this well. That um, there's a category of Hebrew verbs called stative verbs, where they are conjugated in a verbal form, but they're understood to be about an ongoing state that something is in, rather than individual action. For instance. In Hebrew, ani The verb to sleep in Hebrew is considered a stative verb. I remember being able to describe this better once before. It's not saying when you when you say ani Shane in Hebrew, you're not saying as a verb, "I am doing the sleeping thing," but I'm describing myself, which I guess you can't do if you're sleeping, as sleeping. Hu and that the grammar does not mean he is in, engaged in a sleeping activity but rather he is, it's almost like he's asleep, right? And chazak is also a state of verb. So it's hard to actually figure out what the main information we are being communicated when it says leif paro. the subject is his heart. And is it suggesting that something is happening to it in this moment or just a description of the state of his heart at all times? Hold that question. The second question, and I see that Elan's hands up as well, is the parenthetical clause after the etnachtah, kasher diber Adonai, what's the antecedent? right? We understand something let that, that the Pharaoh's heart was strengthened and he, didn't, and he didn't listen to them. And then as God said, there are several possibilities as to what the as God said could be referring to. What might they be? Anyone? Joel? I don't
6: understand.
1: You think it's obvious?
6: Yeah, God said he's going to harden his heart and he's not going to listen to you. And that's what he did. I don't understand what
1: the issue is. So to you, it's obvious that the kasher diber adonai is suggesting that God predicted that he's going to have a hardened heart and this is suggesting that it's exactly what happened. Yeah. Okay? Verse four. Larry? Yeah. Can I
0: have a... So I think we have to go back to verse 3. Okay. So, right. v'ani akshe et lev paro. So there, God is saying that I'm going to akshe, whatever, harden, make obstinate, there's different translations. But then, in the verse, verse 13, it doesn't repeat, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it puts it in the passive, I guess, although it's not so clear it's in the passive, depending on the translations that you read. So, Pharaoh's heart remained strong will. So it doesn't, there's a difference there in that it, it doesn't attribute any um, causality mm-hmm. or any, um, anything to, to God, this being God's actions. So it leaves it kind of up in the air. And in fact, some of the translations, several of them, have put in the word remained. And Pharaoh's heart remained strong will. Yeah. So he was already like that. He didn't change. It really wasn't a question of hardening at all.
1: When we're going to read verses 13 and 14 as a duo, because what Rashi has to say about that topic is on verse 14, and then we'll go back and look at some of the translations of, of both verses. Larry, any comment on Joel's comment about whether Kasher de I is obvious? Is it as obvious to you? Is it obvious to Joel? No. Okay, so what, how, what, what do you think it might mean?
0: Um, well, I think it... I don't think it's obvious. for me, I'm, I'm I'm moved by the translation that I'm looking at as as God had spoken, or as had as as was said by God. Meaning that God had predicted this. This is exactly the prediction. So you agree with Joel? No, I I'm not sure. No, I disagree that it's obvious. Obvious, maybe.
6: Well, another interpretation. That's not. Oh, the
0: well, Kasher could be when. Uh,
1: when. Norm. And then bear, another so
5: interpretation you. would be that he's now um, saying the heart should be hardened and so that's why it says that but I don't think that's the best interpretation because we have several places if I'm not mistaken over the next few chapters in which it's explicit God hardens Pharaoh's heart
3: hmm.
5: and since the Torah is happy to be explicit that God hardens Pharaoh's heart they w- there's no reason for it to be ambiguous here good in this case Pharaoh's heart was hard; it stays hard. God allows it to stay hard, but He doesn't make it become hard. It's hard on Pharaoh's own.
1: Okay, Barry, and then I'll share with you what I think could be other possible understandings of it. Even though I think, I think you're right, Joel. That that's that's the most um, logical way to understand it, but I'm, think, I'm not sure it's the only way to understand it. Barry,
2: um,
1: turn the microphone to you. Yeah,
2: the. Uh... Just as foretold refers to not listening, does not refer to the hardening, uh, if you read 13 carefully. And that goes back to verse 4. Um, Thus, Pharaoh will not listen to you. And, and you know, Pharaoh did not listen to them. So that's what I said. It, 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 it's not referring to the, the hardening. It refers to not listening.
1: Okay, so look look at the screen. Some, oh, I have to share the screen with the Zoomers. Some of the translations go directly to your point, uh, Joel, right? So this is, uh, I think, Matsuda, just as Adonai had foretold, suggesting that the Kasher debra Adonai is a reference to God's predictions of what would happen. Okay, Koran, as the Lord had said had said plu perfect, suggesting what had gone what had happened earlier um, everett fox, as God had spoken and j p s as God had said, I want to show you similar this is that new translation that we've been looking at recently um even as the Eternal had said, and he actually quotes Rashbam Rashi's grandson as saying that that's the right reading of it. I think the two other possible ways of understanding Kashirdi Beradunai. one is the way that Norm said that it's possible he doesn't think it's the right one, which is that as God said and made happen in that moment as opposed to as God had predicted. The other way is, Velo shama alehem Kasherdi that he, Pharaoh, did not listen to them. Listen to them what? say what God had told him to say, right? That the kasher di baradonai is not a prediction, it's not a going back to God's prediction about how Pharaoh would react, but referencing the words that Pharaoh had heard from Moshe and Aaron saying, let my people go, right? Or, or soften your heart. So I think the most, um, the, the most likely possibility is the one that Joel had said, that it goes back to a, a prediction, but it's not the only one. And it's, an, it's, a, it's a somewhat dangling um, modifier. Uh, joel was not on the microphone so he asked me would i agree that the, the the trope agrees with the yeah i think the trope agrees with one of the first two yeah um i see rick and renee and then larry oh elon your hand was up before
10: yeah larry made my point
1: okay rick okay
3: so um yeah the Velo yishma that's verse four so uh, that matches. Um, I don't know, the trope doesn't match, but that matches. Um, and then over there at, at verse three, it was Akshay. And uncleus also has Akshay. But here I wanted to ask you, uncleus has Itakaf in my book. And I know it's coming up in the next Rashi, but I thought since we're talking about it, uh, I wanted to ask you... Um, he has the itakaf there.
1: Yeah. So we'll, again, as you said, we'll look at uncleus more clearly on the next verse. Itakaf from the root taf kuf pei. You know this from Adirhu. Takifhu. Yeah. Takif means strong, or uh, it's it's a, a nice Aramaic translation of chazak, right? Something about strong or, or or hard or tough. When we say that God is takif, God is is, is mighty and unmovable. Uh, Renee, and then Larry.
7: I'm just struck by the dichotomy of, um, in my book, it refers to kasha as uh, hardened, but Everett Fox refers to it more as a not as a physical hardening so much as a emotional quality of stubbornness.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and right because. <clears throat> When we think about the notion of a heart hardening, we're we're not thinking about a physiological th- thing happening to an organ, but our sense of what it means in one's personal affect and attributes when you're describing a heart being hardened and stubbornness is probably close to that. Um, so we'll 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 get to that in a second, Larry, and then Rachel.
0: Well, you, Rabbi Klickfeld and um, Ari Kaplan both both surprised me. I mean, maybe making something out of nothing. Okay. Because you use three times the word predicted. And that's exactly the term that Arya Kaplan made. Hmm. Really, does God predict? To me, a prediction involves some stochastic nature, some probabilistic nature. It's not a certainty. God doesn't predict, God uh-huh. Foretells. Uh-huh, foretells. God says, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's what happens. A prediction is, I predict the Yankees are going to lose today. That's well, a that's prediction, just wrong. right? That's just wrong, you might say, but but nonetheless, we don't we don't know. So, how is it possible that God was predicting what Pharaoh would do? How is it that God didn't know? And I'm not going to go on, but that's kind of this issue about free will and inclination and Yetzirah and all this yeah. other stuff that Joel and I are going to talk about. And Shavuot, so you can all come at two thirty in the morning, La and hear about it.
1: Uh, yeah, I was using the word predict sloppily. So you're right. The, when I said predict, I probably meant foretold.
0: I don't think Aryeh Kevin was being sloppy. Uh-huh. He intended that.
1: Predict as a like predict as a likelihood. Yeah. Well, I guess my question to you is: Is your this is now a question on English, not a question on Rashi? Is your use of the word predict always? Is it does does it always have to be as precise as that, and definitely not mean foretell? Because I know that just colloquially. I probably use the word predict without thinking about that qualifier.
0: I'm not saying you're wrong, but for me, when I say predict, there's a random element
1: involved. Larry just said to me, I'm not saying that you're wrong, but you're wrong. <laughs> um yeah, Rachel and then Elon.
0: Okay. Um
4: I'm ignorant of certain connotations of Hebrew words, of mm-hmm. many Hebrew words. And Akesha or akashah, as hardened, translated as hardened in verse 3. And then in verse 12, the much more familiar, hazak. And, you know, hazak, hazak, Vinet hazak. We strengthen ourselves. And I guess because we say hazak, hazak, Vinet hazak, to me that's like a a positive movement Mm. and uh i'm wondering just about the contrast in the connotations of those two verbs both translated as hardened yeah now when we use hazak in a in a liturgical way
1: it's a a good thing
4: strengthen it's yeah. a good thing yeah strengthen our resolve to learn torah yeah. or to pray or to be in relationship with god but it's it's strengthened in a positive way and here the connotation is is very different
1: right and i think we can all think of words in our native language and certainly in hebrew where what the word means even to- whether or not it's in the realm of the positive or the negative is based on context, right? Because the word itself is, is neutral, right? To say something is hard um, does not necessarily mean that it's bad, right? And to say that something is strong does not ne- ne- necessarily mean that something is good. If you're describing the, the, you know, one's attacker as strong, you're in that moment, the strength was a very bad thing from your perspective, right? Um, and I think the same is probably true with biblical Hebrew. Uh, Elon, and then we're going to read verse 14 so we can look at the Rashis.
10: So, I want to go back to the concept of predict. As a lifelong gambler, predict always involves some chance of probability. So, it, and having said that, it kind of uh, ties back to what I was going to say originally, which is I actually find this verse significantly more um, acceptable than other verses describing the uh, Pharaoh's heart and how it become hardened, right? So when I read this verse, particularly with the notion, as God had predicted, you read it, as Pharaoh's heart became, became hardened, right? And as God had predicted, so that it allows there for free will. God predict Pharaoh's heart became hardened through no divine intervention. God said, that was likely but it didn't but god did not foretell that and that to me is is just so much more comfortable in using um a modern sensibility
1: so you're actually defending r.a kaplan against larry saying predict is the right word right god says i i i have an expectation this is what's going to happen but if it happens it's going to happen because pharaoh will have done it himself not because i have forced the matter
10: Right. If, if he had wanted to, if, if God had wanted to say it for Samaria, he would have said, I hardened his heart.
1: Right. and that was him. Which we will get later. Yeah.
10: Right. Which he does say later, but I'm saying in this particular sentence, yeah. I actually think that, that that is the appropriate, given the first part of the sentence, that's the appropriate
1: interpretation of the second part. Great. Thanks, Elon. Uh, Norm. And then Joel.
5: I think Debert is a very ambiguous word, as it turns out, because sometimes... The Holy One accomplishes things by debaring, mm. by saying them, mm. and other times he's simply in a conversation and he says something, right, or communicates something. And so there's an ambiguity, and we don't know which one it really is. Here is it? Are we referring to the fact that he previously foretold this, or are we referring to the fact that he said something now? And it, ha- it
1: happened. Yeah. Okay. Good, Joel. Did it? Oh, both microphones on the same side of the table? So it, this, <laughs> this side's in trouble.
6: Um, so I just want to focus on the word veloshama. I mean, okay. I don't care whether you want to translate it as listen or hear or heed. Aaron and Moshe haven't said anything. There's nothing to listen or 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 heed. Um, so the only way to make it make sense is to translate verse 10 as saying, Moshe and Aaron did everything that God had commanded, and then when they got to the point of throwing the the staff on the ground, this is what happened. So in other words, in verse 10, they're actually doing everything, including the asking to, uh, you know, let my people
1: go. That's fascinating, Angel. I never picked up on that. You're right. The, there, in this mini scene, there hasn't been a let my people go request. Right. There's just been a show of, of magic. And so what does it mean for Pharaoh? What, isn't, what is Pharaoh not heeding? It's fascinating. Thank you for that. Okay, let's read verse 14, and that will bring us into uh, Rashi and, 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 and about these words, "kaved" and Chazak. Norm, why do we read the next verse? Because you didn't get a Rashi. You need, you need a microphone.
5: El uh, Moshe. And Adonai said to Moshe, "Kaved lev paro, Pharaoh's heart is hardened." Uh, uh, he refuses to, to let the people go.
1: Good. Um, sometimes when you read this verse um, without vowels, you, one can be um, tempted to read kaved leif as an imperative because if the bet were a bet and not a bet, and it was kaved leif then it would be God saying to Moshe, harden Pharaoh's heart. Right, as an exclamation, but it's not kabed in the imperative form of the pl verb. It's kaved this, the very thing we're about to talk about, this stative verb describing a state of being of Pharaoh's heart. Uh, let's get a microphone to Barry. Norm, can you pass it over? <laughs> <I'm so
7: sure>. <laughs> <laughs> What's
1: that?
6: Kaved lev and lev kaved. His heart, his heart is a liver, and his liver
2: is the heart.
1: Kaved <laughs> lev, <live>. nice. Yeah. <laughs>
2: So I want to go back again, we've said this about a number of times, Um, what's happening is not listening, and and, and God said, Pharaoh's not going to listen, not listening to what? Here we hear it, uh, to let my people go, that's been said, he's not listening, Pharaoh's heart is already hardened, that's Pharaoh's nature,
1: yeah. I'm going to share the screen so we can look at the uncle list together because Rashi is going to refer to the uncle list. Okay. Um, verse fourteen, the Amar Moshe. it yakar, and then in parentheses in the translation of uncle list, LePerush Rashi yakir. So whatever version of Unculus, this is the Matsuda version. The Matsuda inserts into the translation of Uncleus, which is a translation of the Torah, Rashis having essentially corrected unkelus a thousand years later. We'll describe what discusses the difference between that. Liba de Pharaoh, so the heart of Pharaoh was either Itiakard or Yakird. Sariv, Sariv means to refuse. The Shalcha ama, To to uh, select to uh, send the am. Um, Knowing a little bit about Hebrew Aramaic forms, even if you don't know a lot, what might be the difference between Yakir and Ityakar? I don't have a guess because the original versions of Unkulas have Ityakar, and Yakir is what Rashi, we're about to read, translates it to. Any thought, Norm? Sorry, I know it's cumbersome. We need more microphones in this room.
5: I think that one is the heart has become hard, and the other one is that the heart is hard.
1: And which is which? Uh,
5: yakir is uh, that the heart is hard, and the other one, that's Yakir, is uh, the heart has become hard.
1: Exactly right. So it yakar means became, Yakir is an interesting word here, uh, like like heavy or um I mean, yakir can also mean dear and valuable, but 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 it it, it became yakar, whereas as you are about to read Rashi, it's describing not that it became anything, but that it actually is. Okay. Now, Norm, look at the Rashi yeah. on kaved,
5: um, kaved, uh, uh, Targumo uh, so just trans-
1: shan- tra- translate that. What does that mean when Rashi says that? Um,
5: we should read... just uh, in, in, in the Targum, we should read... We should have Yakir rather
1: than... Uh, and not Yakir. Uh, right. It's very terse here because you could read Rashi saying Targumo Yakir Velo Echakar as if he's saying... The accepted targum that he has is Yakir. He's not saying that. He's making a correction. You, you, we should translate it as Yakir and not as our dear friend Uncle is translated it as as Ityakar. And Rashi is so influential that Uncle Liss's translation from a thousand years before is now, at least in our edition on on the on Safaria, corrected alpi Rashi. Why?
5: Um, uh,
1: okay, so um, what's the Mipnei? who shehu uh, shemdavar, what does that mean? Because it's an adjective? Right, Rashi uses language, we would use the word shemdavar to refer to a noun, but Rashi actually refers it to an adjective because what does an adjective modify? A noun, meaning he says, this is about... A, a a nounal thing, not a not a verbal thing, right? Um, not something happening to a noun, but the very the very state of the noun, and he connects it to uh, verse eighteen eighteen. Let's uh, put up on the screen. I have it here. Okay, so this is Parshat Yitro when um, Yitro recognizes that Moshe. Is gonna just get all strung out and burnt out if he continues uh, dealing with all of these adjudications on his own. Uh, Moshe's father-in-law says to him, "Lo tov This is not good. Ata said the thing you're doing. Navol tibol. You will wither away. That that verb navol is, is used to describe." the uh, in someone that a, a tree planted on verdant springs will be so fruitful that its, it's leaves will never wither, right? So this is, you will verily wither, you and the people, that are with you. The thing that you're trying to do is In this verse, it's obvious, Rashi says, nothing's happening in the verse. It's describing a thing. It's not saying that the thing has become hardened. It's just describing that this is a hard thing. This is impossible. No one can, be, can do this on the level that you're doing it. You can't do it alone. So Rashi says, since Kaveid there uh, in verse eight, 18 of chapter 18 is describing the state of being of something that's non-changing, so too it should mean that here. I forgot to check how Uncle translates this. Hold on a second. Yakir? Yeah, Let's take a look. I believe you will. Let's take a look. Yeah, Yakir Minach Pitgama. The thing is, is a hard thing. So Rashi would say to Uncle, is you translated 1818 18 correctly, but for some reason you translated our verse as Ityakar, uh, suggesting that something is happening in the moment. How
0: did you translate it, Ityakar again?
1: Me. Be, 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 um, became hard or severe or heavy. Now, the question on the question Why is it so significant to Rashi? Like what? What? What is different about the verse to suggest that uh, here we're learning God is telling Moshe something happened to his heart, or that his heart is a particular way? My who we'd say in the time. What's the difference? Barry, let's get Barry the microphone again. Hold on. <laughs> it it's not
2: causative. It's it's not a verbal thing. So it's, it, the hardening is not causative. It's it's, it's na- his nature. He, he already is this way.
1: Right. It's not causative either because of God's intervention in the moment. It's also not based on this particular moment. It's not that, that because Pharaoh saw his serpents being consumed by Moshe's serpents, that all of a sudden he had a hardened heart. But simply God is telling Moshe and Aaron, this is the way this man is. Kaveh leif paro. His heart is this way. Um, there a good something, Diane?
9: So I know we're we're dealing in Hebrew, but it's just interesting that in English heavy hearted does not have the idea of, of being stubborn. It has the idea of of when you do something with a heavy heart, you're like I think reluctant to do it, but you do it. So we've sort of changed this expression in a way.
1: Yeah, that's right? true. I mean in even idioms are wonderful things because yeah. um it's very hard to trace how a particular set of words you know departed their um, their literal meaning and became something else and you're right heavy hearted does not mean in english in modern twenty first century english um a stubbornness but rather a reluctance yeah a, a wishing that you didn't have to do it
9: there There's a whole category of of expressions um that come from different body parts, and it's fascinating because where we think the seat of emotion is right. in body parts has is, is changed dramatically.
1: Right, particularly because the ancients didn't think that that this... Or, I mean, it's interesting in general that we think that this organ, which pumps blood, has to do with emotions. But we all use it. Like, you know, my heart is heavy. You know, my heart is with you. It's so funny how, how fluidly we use that. When we think about it, it's sort of inane, right? It's If anything, emotions are here, right? Not Not here. But we all... We don't say that my... Well, I know you're going through a hard time. My brain is with you. My brain, the source of my emotions, is with you. That would sound strange, right? But all the all the heart is doing is, um, is pumping blood. Um, I know we're at 9.30. Very quickly, um, just look at some of the translations of this verse because the translations in English, whether they're directly in relationship with Rashi or not, they're trying to make sense of this verb. So this is, which one is this one? Um Okay, so uh, Everett Fox, Pharaoh's heart is heavy with stubbornness. He, um, he turns the word kaved into a three hyphenated word Heaven, uh, heavy with stubbornness. Okay, Matsuda, Pharaoh's heart is heavy, unmoved. JPS, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn, doesn't even deal with the word heavy. Um, Corin, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Why is that significant? Disagrees with Rashi, right? Um, Koran is amongst the translations of the Torah that come out of the Orthodox world is the one that's least slavish to Rashi's rendering of the of the the verse. If we we had the art scroll up here, which I don't think is on Sepharia, we would see it very, very um, connected to Rashi. Um, See what this one says: "The heart of Haro Pharaoh is hard," very Rashi. And then, let's see, 1917 in JPS, Pharaoh's heart is stubborn. And then that one from 63, the heart of Pharaoh is stubborn. What does R.A. Kaplan say? Or, and, or, uh, jo- and Alter?
0: Kaplan, Pharaoh is obstinate.
7: Is obstinate, okay.
0: And Kaplan is, uh, Pharaoh's heart is hard.
7: All Saperstein says became hardened. Became hard, that's int- Right.
1: Saperstein says became hard. Yeah, hard became hard. Saperstein also usually translates according to Rashi. Larry, last comment of the day.
0: Well, I'm sure we're going to go back to this time and time again. Go back to verse 3. God says clearly he's going to make Pharaoh's heart hard. So whatever pre-existing condition that it was, God had already declared his intent. Yeah. He's the one that's going to do this. He's responsible.
1: Yeah. Or does that prediction slash foretelling... Referred not to this moment, but to a future moment where it's actually going to be an active, an active hardening.
0: The preliminary verses in chapter 7 are more overarching because the verse 2 says that he's going to let you go.
1: Right. right.
0: So that's, that comes even before saying, but I'm going to harden his heart.
1: Uh, Ad Khan, see you next Wednesday. Glad to be back in person. Glad to be in a sunny pilch.
0: You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.